If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. You know, I used to always have this idea that one day I was going to be in a flash mob for Thriller. <laughs> <laughs> when did this idea start? I don't know. I think someone actually did it. I think it's a pretty common thing. I think. <laughs> Hi, Patrice. Hi, Marlene. Hi, Courtney. Hi, y'all. We're having a hard time, like, not just gulping down what we're drinking. Yeah, and I'm... And I'm okay, trying well, very hard because I need a sippy cup and I have a. <laughs> she has a martini glass yet again. Yet again. She's not happy about it. Don't make her laugh because she already said as soon as you gave it to her, you walked away and she's like, I'm going to spill that down my front. Mm-hmm. I had and to. And it's got milk stuff in it. No, it's 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 not you. It's me. <laughs> it's totally me. And And the problem is it's from like, okay, the drinking part I can handle, but it's like going from my mouth to a <laughs> surface it's where the danger lies so it's setting it back down setting it back down you can actually ma- ma- you can hit hit the target when you take a drink you can actually like yeah i mean if it's going in my mouth, mouth it's done. like yeah <laughs> should we put okay so we need to put like a rocky horror mouth or something on a on a um a coaster yes. and then you can put it but then if you did that you'd like just tip it sideways and feed and, it to it right exactly and then i'd have to lick it off the table because it's so good it's pretty good yeah it tell is. us about it it's now that you've written it down yeah I is it too finished. sweet for you well not too sweet <laughs> but <laughs> so uh i was trying to decide what to do with the um infused apple cinnamon vodka we have from the live just show drink it because yeah, i literally would have just and i gave on. some to rusty and renee and oh, shoot i should name it this but i don't want this to be this name he so anyway they had it too or they came to the live show and i gave him a little little sample of it and they just chilled it straight into a martini glass and called oh, it yeah. a cortini the <laughs> guy, yes. oh, i never thought of that before yes. the cortini <laughs> he said he also threw out 575 Oh, nice. Instead of a French 75. (laughs) Put some champagne in it. I was going to say, you've got to have some champagne (laughs) with that. But you know what? I could dig that. I could totally dig that. That's what we had. We put that. I made the Bellinis for the show that had champagne. So that's what we drank with it the first time. I Mm. need some more of that. Yeah, it was good. (laughs) We need to make some. I need to buy like a gallon of This is kind of the opposite. Like, So that was going with the fruitiness and crisp and bubbly. And so I decided to take a turn and do which i'm not a big fan of creamy martinis mm-hmm. either don't do chocolatinis or um whatever the coffee ones or any espresso mm-hmm. martinis but um i decided to do this apple pie kind of version so i just looked up a bunch of different recipes that were kind of creamy martinis and i had had you know some irish cream on my coffee this morning and got inspiration <laughs> <laughs> nice. so i was like how about the apple mm, cinnamon yes. vodka with a little bit of I have Carolyn's, but Bailey's, whatever Irish cream you like. And then um, I decided to, it needed a little bit of plain vodka because I don't like it too sweet. 
and uh, a dash of heavy cream. Mm. So that's what's in it. And mm. then one recipe I saw, which I did still, had crushed graham crackers with um, caramel as the, the binding agent. So these are... On the rim. Yeah, rimmed with uh, caramel, crushed um, graham crackers, and then caramel drizzle in the glass. So it's a caramel apple pie. Mm. It's, it's, really, it's, <laughs> it's so really good. Apple cinnamon pie. I'm halfway... <laughs> done you know usually like you see these that are so pretty and have all the and like if you you smell it and it may smell spectacular but then when you taste it it tastes more licory than you're smelling mm -hmm. this one's not that way no like it, this one's it's danger zone really drink. good balance yeah it's very yeah. very mellow thank you hold on pause one second okay. yes ma'am did you leave the oven on Nope. I am not going to eat that. Nope. You need to stop talking right now. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So. All right. I'm All right. back. Are you, so I'm are back. we recording again? Yeah, I've okay. never paused. All right. Randy's in charge of pausing. <laughs> so I had to run to the, the pod, pod kitchen, the martini making station, and uh, get the apples that made this lovely vodka. Mm -hmm. So I have in my hand a... Um, quart mason jar full of apple slices with cinnamon sticks from where I infused this for about however many days, five days. And then after I decided to keep these because Patrice and Marlea came over before the live show and were like, save these apples so that we can make something with like maybe ice cream. And I'm going to have Patrice try one right now. I've already tried one. And, and so is Marlea. So is Marlea. And I can tell by Marlea's face. Because Marlea gave it away. My face is Smells blank. great. If you wanted me to not tell things, you should have told me in advance. <laughs> <laughs> it's not dangerous. It smells really good, doesn't it? It does smell good. It smells like good. apple cinnamon. Okay. So a little bit of vodka. Here's the first bite. Go ahead. First bite. First second is kind of... Someone oh! <laughs> Because I pulled them out of the fridge one night after class, and I was like, oh, I've been wanting to try these, Patrice, and I tried one. Tell us what it was to you first before she tells us. Please do. That, the first bite was? So it, it was, like, crunchy, and it was still firm. <laughs> but then it turned into, like, turpentine. Yes, exactly. exactly. Up ethanol. Oh, my God. And, like, my tongue She's is like, burning. I know. I told you didn't her. swallow the bite, did you? <laughs> no. I, th I thought I was just such a pussy. Like when I the first I took a bite she was out in of my the house end like, of it. Oh, I'm gonna get these out. These are really drunk. These are gonna be great. And then I took a bite. I'm sorry. I'm so bad. It was so mean. Y'all gonna make me eat beets and jello, so it's on now. Yeah. I mean, it's no. It's like. So listen, <laughs> y'all's listen now. Listen. Now. We've done some research into this whole jello taste mm. kitchen thing. Yeah. And Patrice has already started our first jello taste kitchen jello. Tell I'm, us about it, Patrice. So, um, hopefully the video will be up by the time this. Are we doing it today? This no. <laughs> we don't think. She looks terrified. She did look terrified. That's why I went ahead. I got to no. play offense here. No. So I don't. Don't. <laughs> don't fuck with me, people. <laughs> you made me taste that. I'm going to make you like yeah. eat when you, gasoline. When she tasted it, she thought she was a wuss. And then she said, here, come. 
try I'm, she yeah, thought I, made, I was gonna lock it and I did the same thing I, I made took, Courtney try it so I in, felt like there were fumes like shooting out my no, nose no it's like I think I lost like about three layers to my I tongue. I know. Oh, no. It's like all the hairs inside your inside yeah. your sinuses have just well, that was fair play. We all had a shock. It wasn't just you. It wasn't just a joke played on you, Patrice, no. because I oh, was that's just fine. as shocked as you were. And I did it to Renee yesterday. Too, okay? <laughs> and, and I tried to do it to Randy, but <laughs> and we tried to do it to Chad. Chad was like, I just saw she spit that in the trash. I'm not yeah. about to eat that. <laughs> No, this and well, and Courtney's Courtney's trying to pregame against us with this because she's never been in favor of this Jello test kitchen idea. Yes. So go ahead now. Sorry. Okay, so the um, our first Jello test kitchen recipe is a beet mold. <laughs> I hate beets. There's not a lot of it. I'm not a big fan of beets either. It tastes I'm, like dirt. I'm a I hate pretty, beets. I'm a pretty and huge I hate fan celery. Of beets. And the I pictures you sent had both in it. <laughs> Yes. So anyway, it is. It was an ordeal. Um, there was beets. There was onions. There was horseradish. Okay. There was. That's why you wanted a roast beef sandwich. That's why I wanted a roast yeah, beef sandwich. Mm-hmm. Um, there's celery. There's vinegar. There's sugar. A little bit of sugar. A little bit of salt. So all of this is being congealed as we speak. And dirty word. <laughs> congealed. <laughs> and we will do a um, video of us sampling. Oh my god! Our first. I'm scared. Jello. I'm really scared. If we mold. if we enjoy this, our friend Karen had recommended yesterday that we do like a, a t- taste test competition where multiple people have to taste everything. Let's just go randomly <laughs> find people on the street and be like, "Excuse me, excuse me, ma'am, no. sir. Well, would you put this in your mouth? Would you like to try some would you our Jello put this in your mouth? <laughs> I mean, hell. it's gonna be really gross, but no, we'd have we'd me. have cops swarming us in oh, two yeah. seconds in this town, and it would take us 20 minutes to find a person on the street. I have freshmen. I could. <laughs> I could sample it on. I could just bring it to my class. You could too, Patrice. Just I, I, take it to class. Say, like, I brought I, you a treat. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you five bonus points. Here, sign this way for liability. <laughs> just be like, it's your Halloween. It's a trick or treat. <laughs> this is the last thing we did before everyone lost their job. <laughs> nah, that's fine. I'll go out like that. <laughs> I teach on Halloween, actual Halloween. I can be like, look, it's up to you. Oh, trick yeah. or treat. Wow. <laughs> and then I can like have it te- like you just open it. You got like the like the Pepsi challenge or whatever. You keep it covered. Pick which one. Up. Oh, that's you what eat you jello. Get. Oh, you get a candy apple. Oh my god. That's <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're gonna end up with riots on your hands in that case. My students would just tell me no. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, good times. Good well, times. so hopefully that's coming around the corner for us sometime soon. We'll we'll find a time oh, when most we can definitely, get together. Because like, it can't sit in your like, fridge. Like tomorrow? Are yeah. we doing this tomorrow? I'm, I'm thinking tomorrow it'll be ready. I'm leaving it up to y'all. With scheduling like It'll stuff. probably be ready by the time we finish this podcast. But I told Marlea since we're um, drinking tonight that it's probably... Especially, she said, especially a creamy martini. I'm not following that with beets and horseradish. <laughs> Gross, man. I mean, you'll never get that I out of your wanna, I don't want to follow anything <laughs> with beets and, and celery. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, all right. Good wishes, times. Wishes luck. Godspeed. Godspeed. <laughs> if you don't hear from us again, it's because it was dead it's by we're all beets. dead. 
Well, let's see. So uh, I guess I guess pre pre show we should let you know that we're doing things differently. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like oh hey by the way. FYI. Um, FYI, uh, we have decided that for a multitude of reasons, we are going to start changing the format of this show a little bit, at least temporarily. We're going to see how this works mm-hmm. and uh, do one story, an episode instead of two. Right. This kind of will make the episodes a little bit shorter, but we'll be able to give you more of them. Um, right. And we'll probably be able to record more of them, hopefully, because, you know, we won't be doing four hour recording sessions. <laughs> sometimes is what happened it was it was getting dangerously long because we spend a lot of time shooting the shit like yeah. not even on the you know you hear right. the leftovers right but i uh, guess i'm making drinks for every show though right you're making- are half in your duties <laughs> is that what I'm duties. do you need a raise? i'm sorry <laughs> but what i've decided since we're going to this new format is only two-thirds of the podcast get a drink every time <laughs> So that would be me and whoever's right. doing the story that all right, week. All right, all right, I got you. Wait, I gave Patrice one today already. Yeah, because I'm doing a Give story me that drink. today. Give me that drink back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll still make a drink every week. I told them they're always trying to help me when I'm in here, and I'm like, you all, this is my only prep. You spend hours researching and writing and watching movies and listening to podcasts. I just, like, Googled a bunch of recipes and figured out what I had in the cabinet and came over here and started crushing graham crackers that was and my here we job. end up with this masterpiece <laughs> master that i've just finished See? sorry bellissimo yeah. <sighs> dude so good do you want more strange south every week we can help you can follow us on facebook instagram and twitter and you can join our facebook fan group fans of the strange south podcast to keep the chat going with our whole creepy community do you have a story idea for us or a story of your own to share? Email us at stories at thestrangesouth.com. Plus, if you join our Patreon, you not only help support the podcast, you get an exclusive bonus episode for every show and a discount on merch. You can find links to all of these things on our website, thestrangesouth.com, along with photos, links, and show notes from every episode, Strange South t-shirts, mugs, and other goodies. See you there. This I don't even know how I'm starting. I didn't actually even like, oh, how am I going to start this? I just wrote a start. word on the top. Mm-hmm. What does it say? What is the word? Let's start at the very beginning. That's what it says? <laughs> no, it's not. Um, <laughs> it says born 1825 is what it says. So. Oh, you know what? That's how most That's of That's the beginning start. of a story. <laughs> so, 1825. Uh, 1825. Huh? Okay. This actually comes from, it's a, it's, it's folklore not exactly folklore it's folklore history from an area that courtney's really familiar with and you're gonna laugh because i did figure out where this person is actually from and you're gonna laugh your ass okay. off about it I can't wait. um because she came to me and said something about i'm gonna talk about sand mountain and i, was I like, said okay i walked up to courtney and chad uh yesterday at tailgate and i said have you ever heard of granny dollar and they were both like no and I was like, forget I said anything. <laughs> because I was kind of thinking like, well, they could kind of add to some some of the stuff that I had been looking up, but they don't know about it. So it was local folklore in the more in the probably up until the 1960s. And then the story kind of faded away a little bit. And sometimes it kind of comes back up again. It's not raucous. It's not like scary or terrifying or anything. But I just... I don't know. I just really liked it. So I accidentally came across it. That's kind of weird. Where, where, where'd you find it? Um, somebody, there was some Facebook post from 
it's one of those things that comes across as a recommended post oh. and it's not even something that you follow. Right. And it linked to an older article about her. And so I clicked on that and I was like, well, okay. I just text my mom <laughs> to find out if she knows. Well, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe we'll find out more. soon. I know. So <clears throat> it'll be in paragraph form. So the reason, the reason, <laughs> um, so it's, uh, granny dollar is the person that we're talking about. That's not her original name, but she, there was a while where like kids around the sand mountain, Alabama area, close to where she was, which I mean, it's it, Courtney actually had to show me on a map like what Sand Mountain is. So if you're in Alabama, if you're familiar at all with the Lookout Mountain Range, and that goes from Alabama up through Tennessee, it's a very, very long mountain range. And um, if you've ever been to um, you know, Ruby Falls or any of that around Chattanooga, that's part of the Lookout Mountain Range. And um, <clears throat> and so uh, Sand Mountain is, is kind of parallel to that for a short while when you're up in North Alabama near Fort Payne and Scottsboro. And um, so there are little sections of that where people might have recognized her name for a little while. And some kids probably thought that they were talking about the fortune telling witch up on the mountain. And, mm. um, but not in a, it was definitely like a kids, ha ha run away kind of witch story, not a like grownups with pitchforks kind of witch mm -hmm. story. Oh, okay. So where all of this would have started <clears throat> born 1825, <laughs> There was a Cherokee girl named Nancy Callahan and her, um, her dad's name was William. He was a full Cherokee and he was a giant of a man. He was six foot five, his 300 pounds. Wow. He commanded a presence and turned heads apparently. <laughs> um, and her mom was named Mary Sexton. She was a half Cherokee, half Irish woman. And they had a small hut in Buck's Pocket. Oh, my sand God. Mountain. And I was trying to tell Courtney this morning that it was a Sand Mountain story, but I couldn't remember exactly where it was from. And then I started rereading stuff to put it all down on paper today. And I saw Buck's Pocket and I was like, well, fuck. Courtney got married in Buck's Pocket. <laughs> I got married in Buck's Pocket. <laughs> oh, my God. I spent a lot of teenage times in Buck's Pocket at night <laughs> driving around, you know, doing legal things. <laughs> doing perfectly legal things. Most of my teenage years were spent in Buck's Pocket. And it's a, and Buck's Pocket now is a state park? Uh-huh. Okay. Mm -hmm. <gasps> yeah, I just spilled on her sale. It's all right. It's because I got her very excited. Continue. Yes, I do know where Buck's Pocket is. So, yes. <laughs> So the hut that they had was in Buck's Pocket on Sand Mountain, Alabama. And during this time, like in 1825, um, the Cherokee were among, in the U.S., what was called the five civilized tribes. Mm -hmm. So it was Cherokee, Chickasaw, Choctaw, Muscogee, and Seminole. And these are all deep south tribes. So it's, you know, Seminole, we always associate with Florida a lot. You know, it's mm -hmm. um, South Carolina, Tennessee, mostly Alabama, Georgia, and Florida are, are the most, I think. North Carolina. And North Cherokee. Carolina is Cherokee, too. Yes. So, um, so that's, those are the areas where these, these tribal nations had most of their, their land. And, um, <clears throat> And the reason that the U.S. had started calling them civilized tribes is because from the time of the U.S. Reso resolution, <laughs> from the time of the Revolutionary War, there have been, like, arguments about, like, what we're going to do with the engines. Like, right. what are we going to do with these people? And George Washington, like, from all the way back in George Washington, he was the one that was kind of a proponent of the let's assimilate everybody. Like, we're going to civilize these people. We don't. Now, to their credit, it was 
a if we're looking at a, a black and white argument, he's talking, are we going to assimilate them or are we going to eradicate them? Yeah. And yeah. <clears throat> or or remove them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, George Washington was in favor of assimilation. And there were there were incentives that were provided to people who kind of, you know, uh, we all know some of those went wrong, who would send their children to Christian schools or whatever, which often i don't even need to get into that but there are a lot of a mm-hmm. lot of things about the way that uh you know first nations people were treated in in christian boarding schools but <clears throat> the idea was let's let them be like us so they can dress like us and they can learn our language and they can learn our religion and that way we don't have to kill them and everybody lives happily ever after so you know best laid intentions i'm sure it was civilized too because we hadn't even moved across the west yeah I mean, that was where we were. That was it. We were that was here. everything. I mean, we as white people. I yeah, mean. white people. That was everything. And and a lot of the tribes responded to this desire to assimilate them with a uh, no, what the fuck? Like, mm-hmm. no, that's not, though. And the five civilized tribes, um, quote unquote, tended towards assimilation. And there are a lot of there were a lot of motivations for them to do that. It's not a simple decision no. and it's also not a wholesale decision because there are people in every tribe that didn't do it the same way. Mm-hmm. So there's a large extent and variety of the way that people dealt with that um, between tribes. So those, but they called them civilized tribes because some of them did not behave like savages anymore, mm-hmm. you know? So the Cherokee people, especially of Nancy's people in this area, <clears throat> they were in the civilized tribe and um, so Nancy has two younger brothers. She's got John and Seth are her younger brothers. They, none of them went to school. Um, she ran around barefoot all day, never wore shoes, watched over her brothers. I was like, well, sounds about like right. everybody I, I ran around that. barefoot, never wore shoes, watched over their younger siblings and cousins. Pocket too. Um, played games. They were, they were like several huts kind of in their area and they would play games in the common area with the other kids who were close to their age. And she was, um, she was a very responsible child and was raised to be responsible for her siblings. So she would do chores. She would keep the children in line, the other kids, and they farmed at this, this property and they sharecropped the farm. They didn't own it. Um, her mother cooked game. Her father hunted big game. Um, she had a big red clay oven out behind the house. They didn't have an oven, like, of course, in it, they, it wasn't like a cabin cabin. So they had like just a kind of a lean to outside the house that didn't have walls. And there was a big red clay oven outside where everything would get cooked and you could cook a whole dinner at a time inside this big red clay oven. And I just thought about like she talked a lot in this. Uh, it was a book that I read called Granny Dollar that was based on firsthand accounts from her and interviews that she had done with people about her life. So um, <clears throat> she talked a lot about how she felt about her childhood in these conversations. And it just sounded idyllic, you know, right? Um, like she would she would lay in the grass. She would. And I mean, you could almost just smell the. The you can almost just smell the, the place, the rain. yeah, the clay and everything, and mm, the honeysuckle. It just sounded, mm-hmm. yeah, like something. So when she was eight, her dad comes home from a hunt, and he would go off to these long hunts for a long time, and they weren't just hunts. She figured this out later, but um, you little know, little he, bow, <clears throat> bow, bow. yeah, right. I told you he turned heads. <laughs> he turned heads, but um, six foot five. Uh, he so he yeah. comes home from this long long hunt and they have kind of a system whenever he gets home if he comes home with game the whole family kind of goes into work mode and everybody Mm -hmm. has a job and they do it immediately because you you know you don't have a fridge or anything like that you've got to preserve this right now and you've got to cook it right now and deal with it jerky it whatever you're going to do 
And um, so they made a dinner out of it after they'd done all this work. And he sits down and he just, you know, everybody's eating and he just won't eat. And Mary looks at him and asks him why. And he says, I can't eat when my other wife and children don't have any food. So he has a wife in South Carolina and three kids there. And Nancy's mom, Mary, is like, well, then you should probably bring them here because we have a lot of food. And so he starts eating and everybody's ravenous and everybody gets all excited. and They're going to go and he's going to go the next day and go get this family. So he does. He leaves, and um, she could probably use the help. Yeah, for real. <laughs> and during this, and and it's not unusual for for uh, Cherokee men to take more than one wife. Right. So there are other people in their village that have multiple wives. It's not something that's looked down upon. It's not slighted. It's not like a threat to anybody. Mm-hmm. It's just right. a it's just a way of life. So he goes to South Carolina to get them, and while he's gone, just like when he goes on these long hunting trips, Nancy's in charge of everything. She sets out rabbit traps. She manages the harvest of the crops she fishes she takes care of everything she was half cherokee and mm-hmm. half irish well her mom was half irish half cherokee so nancy is and her dad was full cherokee full cherokee yeah so nancy is three quarters yes then. okay um so william had taught her also he taught her how to tend his moonshine still when she was 10 mm. so he like he took her through the woods to find the seat you know because it's in a secret place because they're right. always in a secret place and he like told her how to watch the gauge and make sure that the the line stayed right between these two numbers and if it goes above these numbers here's what you do so from the time she's 10 she knows how to how to tend the still and um so she's keeping up with that mary gets the hut clean makes a new sleeping place for all these and one day william finally gets back from south carolina with a wagon full of people so mother number two is casey the kids there's three kids they're all younger than nancy so this isn't like a wife he had before he got married this is like a wife he had from recently right but now they've got um you know they've gone from a family of five to a family of nine and all the kids are under six except for her so So, you know, everybody's very happy. They all hug. They go out to play. They introduce them to everybody in the neighborhood. And she's the big sister. She watches over everything. And the family just keeps growing faster because both mamas are still having babies. Alone. Yeah. And by the time Nancy is 12, she's the midwife of the village because she has delivered so many babies from both of her mothers that she knows the herbs she knows what to do she knows what looks right and what doesn't Didn't look right nancy do the still as well mm-hmm. yeah that's who was helping with the still when she was 10 nancy yeah she's the daughter the little girl so she's like moonshiner slash midwife she can do anything <laughs> badass like uh, for real yes. i'm like i just mm-hmm. I, <laughs> that's kind of why i was like oh, this is kind of extraordinary person right mm-hmm. this isn't just the way everybody was so um so she's 12 years old and all the people in the village will call her when they have a pregnant person in the house because she knows more than anybody else and um she helps them all through labor um she's delivered brothers and sisters so in four years they're a family with 12 children including a set of triplets jesus christ and three adults in this one hut i mean and she sleeps outside on the ground just so she can get away from everybody and like look up at stars at night like she just doesn't yeah, <laughs> she want to be I in guess, all that <laughs> uh, yeah no joke so um <clears throat> but during this time when she's like growing up and getting to this age all this other stuff is happening in the nation so major general andrew jackson who was originally born this is in around South 1837 Carolina. now mm-hmm. if she's 12 right she she's 12 it's yeah it's pretty close to there so and he you know of course andrew jackson ended up in tennessee outside of nashville has been like 
in this time, he's been basically warring with all the Creeks to win, really just to win space for baby white America everywhere. Um, because, you know, he's his intention is to oust native people so that he can hand it over because cotton is supposed to be a lucrative crop and you need a lot of space to grow cotton. And here's where we can grow cotton, but all these native people live here, so they got to go. And um, white settlers start flooding into this area to take advantage of the lands that aren't theirs. And um, they would just go in and burn tribal homesteads or they would, they murdered people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not everybody did this, but some people did. And what state government. What's kidding. that? I'm just kidding. What are you saying about my family? All yeah. these years. We'll go to that later with ancestry. I thought I had Cherokee till, yeah. Anyway. You weren't right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway. we'll talk about that later. Just a bunch of white people. Just a bunch <laughs> of Scottish and Irish people. Same. So white. Scottish and Irish and English. Well, it's interesting. So, like, um, but so with this, though, state state governments would support white people who were ousting Native people from their land. Um, and so when Nancy, of course, Andrew Jackson became president when Nancy was only three years old in 1830. And he's like, yep, we're going to move him out. What's wrong? Do we need to pause? I hear you. I hear you. Uh, <laughs> don't tell Randy what we're seeing. I killed him many times. <laughs> I kill you. <laughs> That's what I say every time at home. It's just what I say naturally. It makes it easier to stomp. I kill you. I kill you. <laughs> I think it's dead. Okay. Okay. I don't know if you needed to pause that or not. It's kind of entertaining, I think. Anyway, yeah. so... <laughs> That was mom calling me. I was like, we're recording now. So hold. Oh, she was calling you? She might know something. Yeah. Or she might just. I'll call her after. Yeah. So, okay. Andrew Jackson becomes president in 1830, immediately signs the Indian Removal Act. Mm-hmm. And at that time, there's 125,000 Native Americans in the Deep South, millions of acres of tribal land. And by 1900, there's very few. Um. The Indian Removal Act Act said, and this was a federal um, thing, but said that in exchange for their lands in the South, the government would let the Native tribes stay in quote-unquote Indian territory, which is Oklahoma, before it was Oklahoma. Like, it wasn't Oklahoma then. They got it in the Louisiana Purchase, and it was like, Mm -hmm. hey, we just got this. Y'all go over there. Mm -hmm. You could just have this one. And um, it was supposed to be voluntary. Never mind that it no- looks nothing like where you're from. No, and has it's no, nothing. Like, different. It's, it's a lot climate, colder. and and yeah. you guys would all be really pissed if we all said, "Hey, you'll be fine over there," mm-hmm. you know. But um, so it was supposed to be voluntary. That like treaties were supposed to be negotiated, and it was supposed to be more of like a win-win for people. Though were, I don't think it was ever great. They were like voluntold. Exactly. As we say in fact. And nobody remember. was yeah, supposed exactly. to. Yeah, right. Voluntold. <laughs> and so nobody was supposed to be forced, but we all know that that's not how that happened. There was even, there was a Supreme Court decision in 1832 saying that native nations were sovereign nations and that state laws couldn't be used against native nations. And the states gave no fucks. And Andrew yeah. Jackson gave no fucks. Oh, yeah. So it didn't like the Supreme Court. He Andrew Jackson was literally just like about so many things, which is like, yeah, I don't care, though. Yeah. Right. He reminds us of someone. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, wait a minute. All of your like structures mean nothing to me. Um, so anyway, so uh, the government started this with the Choctaw. In 1831, the U.S. Army was starting to say, okay, we've given you like maybe a year to get used to this idea and volunteer. It's time to go now. 
and whole nation of the Choctaws marched into Indian territory on foot, sometimes chained, and the government gave them no food, no shoes, no resources, no medicine, no assistance. Nope. So it's like goes from government saying like, hey, we would like you to maybe consider going over here to government like showing up with bayonets mm-hmm. and saying it's time now and it's going to be 1200 miles so you best get ready um so that's why the march was called the trail of tears um and and i mean i'm sure that there was already other native people there in that land that they were going to i mean i don't i don't know my his, my native american history which is really sad but i'm sure like you know the trail of tears but like Oklahoma is not devoid of other people. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like all these people now are be like, well, who, and it's who it's are also you? like such a lark to think they're saying like, oh yeah, we're gonna give you this, except you know it wasn't that long before they decided that that oh, was Oklahoma, that and yeah. we also would like that please. And Indian territory gets smaller and smaller and smaller, Hell and then it just doesn't exist. There. No. So the and but you know this particular time, I mean, it was a short span of years when that many people die i mean it was a it really was like a genocide yeah. yes it is i yeah. mean thousands well, you would have of to people think, i mean it was a death march. here yeah and it was like hey you you're going to have to move and we're going to take your house now i'll be like fuck you mm-hmm. and you know come at me yeah so I'm, you're going anyway without come at me, bro. shoes and we're <laughs> right. going to walk to oklahoma yeah yeah i mean it and and sometimes like in the case of the cherokee the the chief john ross was the chief of the cherokee at the time and he said we would like you to voluntarily do this. You know, this is going to be better for us. We have decided as a nation that this is what we're going to do. And that doesn't mean everybody wanted to do it. And right. we'll learn that. So, and well, I'm sure they were also like, they're going to just murder us all if we don't. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, well, either option. way, somebody shows up at your house with bayonets and like mm-hmm. bugles and mm-hmm. rifles. I mean, what do you. Right. So 1836, the government moves on, goes to the creeks. So at least one fifth of the creek population dies in the trail of tears and um the last group they crack down on is the cherokee so Mm -hmm. nancy's family begins to hear the rumblings about the choctaw and the creek um and then one night she's off to a neighbor's house elizabeth because elizabeth is pregnant and she's checking to make sure you know are you ready to have the baby dilation all that kind of stuff and she's not she's checking she's like comforting them and then she she's on her way back and there's like kind of a strange energy in every hut she passes by she gets home and John and um and William and her moms are beginning to like shuffle stuff around and pack things up and they said they said John Ross has said that we should voluntarily the government is coming and John Ross has said that we should voluntarily go and William says we're not we ain't going like we're not going anywhere gather up everything you can carry we're going to the saltpeter cave and we're going to be there until this is done and I think that's somewhere on the west side of Sand Mountain. I'm not sure what have, the Saltpeter Cave I'll have meant. To look that up. So they loose their dogs, they loose their horses, and they grabbed everything that they could walk with. And in 30 minutes, they're ready to leave. But Nancy, this 12 year old kid, says, I can't. There's this lady next door, and she's going to have a baby. And if I don't stay, she's going to like have complications. Like something bad's going to happen. So I can't go with you. So, um, dad says, okay, you know where this cave is? Here's some rudimentary instructions. Go with Elizabeth. Come find us when you're done. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is a 12 year old. (laughs) 
It was a different time. For real. But this, I think, is also a different person. Right. Like, she sounds like a remarkable person, I'm telling you. So Nancy goes to the neighbors to sleep that night. The next, it's like not even, it's like the next morning they wake up and there's bugles and gunfire outside. And they're all marched at bayonet point out of the village. And of course, as they go, the group gets larger because they're picking up more villages of people (sighs) and they all get thrown into the fort. And they said at Willstown. So I looked this up. I was like, I don't know Willstown. That was a Cherokee trading town that was named after a local chief. And that's Fort Payne. Okay. Oh, wow. Wow. So the and Fort Fort Payne was the the army's fort that was built specifically to inter Cherokee people who were on the Trail of Tears so that they could kind of collect them all up before they started on the next road of the journey. So Fort Payne was there for this. So like, it was, was like built a stop of the Trail of Tears. Yeah, which I, I didn't know that. I didn't either. Um, I didn't know that. So uh, they were, and it was basically, I mean, they were in cages. I mean, it was basically a prison. So they were fed like dirty water and, you know, mushy food. And they, if there were people who were defiant, they just had dug like a hole underneath the building and they would just put these people in a hole and feed them through like a crack. It was, it was not good. So after, Mm. after a week in there, and there were some people in there who had already been there for a month. um, But after a week, Nancy's group was all put back on the march. And um, the neighbor still has not had the baby. And Nancy's just like, okay, I'd really (laughs) like your home now. Um, and like I said, it's supposed to be a twelve hundred mile journey. They heard the they heard the soldiers saying it's going to take eighty days to get there. So they're walking these people fifteen miles a day. Like, Jesus. I just I can't even imagine. And and I mean, it's people of all ages, and right. you know, it's just crazy. So after five hours back on the road, once they get out of the Fort Payne, the neighbor lady starts to groan, and Nancy's like, "Okay, here we go. This is time." Mm-hmm. So she takes her off the trail, and she lays down, and all these other women just kind of gather around and provide a screen mm-hmm. and Nancy de- and it's a pretty quick labor and Nancy delivers the baby and they just tie him to Elizabeth's back and they keep on walking and Nancy's like okay I did what I said I was going to do she somehow manages to slink off I guess she's small and so she also, I mean wilderness no GPS yeah I mean mm-hmm. I, I imagine it'd be with that many people yeah somebody could like, get away yeah get away no uh, yeah exactly. yeah so she she gets back out she sneaks away and she heads for the cave and um it was pretty common for the people who stayed behind in Alabama and Georgia and Tennessee to hide out in these cave systems Mm -hmm. you know we talked about the cave systems all the time Mm -hmm. so other families would kind of help her as she makes her way back to where she's supposed to be you know people will just give you little you know trinkets or water or a little bit of food or whatever you might need and um finally she finds the place where they're staying and they kind of settle in and they they made little reconnaissance trips back to their their hut to the point where they had gotten almost everything they owned and moved it into this cave and they lived there for three years wow in a cave a a family that by this time there are 18 children holy shit and three adults including two sets of triplets now oh my god y'all learned two sets of triplets (laughs) birth control herbs i know for real for real we have a show on that just just go ahead and shoot back to that um yeah this kid has been she's bitten by snakes she's attacked by a mountain lion oh my god how far had she walked she can do anything i actually don't know i don't know the answer to that um 
And then one day her dad comes back after these three years in this cave from this long hunting trip and says, they just decided it's over. The government isn't looking for us anymore. They've, they've finished this whole, you know, relocation thing and we can go back home. I think that cave is in like Scottsboro area, Jackson County. Which Buck's that pocket makes sense. is both. It's at both there. Yeah, that makes it's sense. Jackson and so wait, was her dad not there the whole entire time? No, he was there, but he would go off. He would still go off and, and like hunt, hunt okay. or go off yeah. and do whatever it is he's doing. God. And um, but he heard all of the kind of scuttlebutt from right. other people, and they'd finally they were like, "Well, how long has it been since we've seen a soldier?" And they'd realized it's been quite a while. And he's right. like, "It's true. They're they're really not looking for us anymore." Mm-hmm. So they go back to their hut. And this is where our story gets faster because I started running out of time. So, um, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, it's more of a just time passes thing. You know, her siblings start getting married, but she doesn't, you know, her all kinds of sh- crazy shit. Like her father gets framed for a murder. They have to move oh to Georgia God. because her father gets <clears throat> framed for a murder. Um, her mother dies. She gets engaged to a shopkeeper's son, finally, who she really hardly talks to. She goes on little fishing trips with, but they're just cutely, you know, demure with each other. But, um, he goes off to fight in the Civil War and gets killed before they can get married. And her father goes off to fight in the Civil War and gets killed. Oh, he can fight still? What, mm-hmm. 60, 1860, what, two? Yeah. Three? What year was the Civil War? Two. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. 63, mm-hmm. Um, So her father also dies in the war. Um, and at that time, you know, when they're in Georgia, they're not that far from Atlanta. And she says, there's a comment that she makes about how strange it is because one of the jobs that she had while they were living there was to um, to go collect goods from different merchants and take them back and forth to places and drive a wagon. And she would go into Atlanta and it was strange because you would go into Atlanta and there would only be women and children. Mm. There's like no men mm-hmm. anywhere right. in the entire city. And I was like, Man, I've never heard anybody say it quite like that. Yeah. But that that's pretty real, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but uh, so they've lost all of the patriarchs of the family at this point and the parents and everything Cass, uh, Casey passes away not too long after this, but Casey's still there. The, the mother, mother number two. Mm-hmm. But um, she tells the, uh, uh, Nancy tells the story when she's the head of the family that she, they go back to the hut in Buck's pocket or that, no, this is actually at the house in Georgia. And she sends her younger siblings into the house because she hears, um, she hears uh, soldiers coming, you know, oh. cavalry. And this man comes riding up in this fancy hat and uniform on like charging her in his horse on his horse and just isn't going to stop. Like he's waiting for her to get out of the way. And she is standing in front of her cornfield on the land that they have and they farm on. And the, finally the horse rears up to a stop because she didn't move. And she said it was general Sherman (laughs) who Uh, uh. who had come up. And I don't know if this is true, but it's a good story. He had come up, you know, they were, you know, because they were outside of Atlanta. So they were there to conscript, you know, goods for the soldiers. And he's like, well, I'm going to need that corn of yours. And uh, I would like to ask you for your corn so I can feed my soldiers. And she looks up and and she says, no, sir, I won't. And he's he's like, did. I could take this from you if I want. And she's like, you look over there. I've got more mouths to feed than you do. Oh, wow. And he looks over at the cabin and sees these, like all these little eyes peering out. Cause there's 18 other children in this family. Oh my God. And while they're standing there, like having this face off, she says this rattlesnake comes out of the corn stalks near her feet and he sees it and he shoots, but he misses. And because of the sound of the recoil, the snake bites her on the ankle. <gasps> And she doesn't flinch. 
and she doesn't look and she doesn't move. And she said, General Sherman looks at her and sees, and he shoots the snake after that in the mm-hmm. head. He kills the snake. And he looks down and he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he turns around and he's like, we'll find food somewhere else. And of course, she has to recover from a snake bite. She oh tells a couple gosh. different times the ways that they do that with like tobacco leaves and stuff like we've talked about. Right. But um, so years and years and years pass. She goes through a series of these jobs of hauling things back and forth. And she gets to where she is very, very old. And, um, you know, all of her little brothers and sisters have gotten married and, um, you know, her final employer who she lived with to clean his house and everything has passed away. And so she asked her brother, John, if she can go live with him up in the old hut at Buck's Pocket. So she moves back to her childhood home and he says, of course you can. And then one day she's there and a man named Nelson Dollar shows up at the house and he's talking to John, her brother. And John, he's a, he's a, uh, an old white man, um, And John turns around and waves at Nancy in the fields and she comes up and he said, this is Nelson Dollar and his wife died last year and he needs a woman to help him on his farm. And she says, I'm looking for a job. (laughs) And Nelson looks at her and said, I'm not looking to hire you. I'm looking to marry you. Uh, And they just stand there. the same thing. I know, know, right? No shit. (laughs) And they just stand there kind of awkwardly looking at each other. And then she says... I am 79 years old. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What year is this? 79? 1995. (laughs) (laughs) It would be in the 1910, maybe? Yeah. And and he just nods. And she says, well, okay. Ah! And she just walks in the house and grabs her shit and gets in his wagon. And they go off to the to the justice of the peace and get married and he takes her home to her place in um valley head is the Uh name of his town and um it's his big it's his big farm (laughs) and um they have 10 to 15 lovely years i I thought you were gonna say children i was Uh like oh Uh my god she was just as fertile as her mother's were no she had no children Um, you know she she worked she gets her a dog that everybody hates that you know Mm -hmm. that will not even look at anyone but her Mm -hmm. and um you know they they really do she she lives on a farm so there's not like a neighborhood right around her but whenever they go into town and sit and do things the children just start to call her granny Mm -hmm. and so she gets this nickname granny dollar Mm -hmm. and she has this old pocket knife that her her father gave her on her i believe it was on her brother's wedding her first brother who got married her father bought her a a knife Mm -hmm. and um she still has this knife from when her brother first got married and she'll she'll run it along people's palms run the knife point around people's palms to tell them their fortune she'll point out their their lines with mm-hmm. the pocket knife and so um she gets kind of a reputation and she's also obviously just a character right and um so a drought comes eventually though and the farm stops paying because there's a drought and and nelson can't pay the mortgage for the first time ever and so they find this rental house and he's apologizing and apologizing she's just like we're gonna make do and they move into this empty rental up on lookout mountain and um in it, not that long after that, Nelson passes away. He's sick Valley for a Head's while. near Mentone, by the way. It's like okay, right so next to it. okay, so it's, it might mm-hmm. have been the yeah. So um, when Nelson dies, you know they've gotten to where she's only got the money left that she'd saved for his tombstone. She paid twenty eight dollars for his tombstone. She'd saved it special for it, and um, now she's alone in the house with Buster, the dog, 
and she doesn't like the house. She's renting from a family that, you know how this happens when you, I don't know if this ever happened when you rented, but all of a sudden the family who rents to you is like, hey, my son just got married and really needs this house. So yes. you got two weeks to get out. I've mm-hmm. had that happen in college. So they did this to this old woman. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and she's got nowhere else to go. And they evict her. Mm-hmm. And it's 1923 at this point. <gasps> Oh my God, she is ninety-eight. She is nearly a hundred years old. Shame on them. And she has nowhere to go, and she's just kind of like, "Well, huh." I mean, and you get the impression from reading her her descriptions of this that she really was just like, "Well, I mean, she's survived this long. I know from all that. This seems kind of just like a little blip." Certainly. So she she picks up Buster and tells him to follow along, and she just starts to walk down the street. Where's and the rest of her 18 siblings? They've all married and gone to those. Some of them have died. Well, I yeah. was like, several of, of them. them have, um, so several miles down the road, she comes upon this group of boys playing in a field or playing baseball or something. And she um, starts talking to him and they're asking her who she is. And they're asking her all these questions. And they just seem really fascinated with her. So she starts having this long conversation with him and come to find out it's this school. They're at this boarding school. And it's called the Master School. It's a prep school near a little River Canyon. What? It didn't school. stay open for that. I was like, there's a prep this, school. This was the 20s. And at this DeKalb point, County. <laughs> the headmaster is gone right now. His name was Colonel Howard. And he's gone right now because they're already running out of money mm-hmm. in 1923. And he's going to look for donors. And, um, you know, of course, this means he's going to come up on the Depression before too long. So the mm-hmm. school is not around for ages yeah. and ages. So you probably wouldn't recognize it. But um, it's near Little River Canyon. And the boys are like, well, where do you live? And we'd like to come visit you. And and she's just like, well, I don't live anywhere right now. I'm just walking down the road. <laughs> and they're like, well, we've got a house over here. So the headmaster's not home. And apparently nobody's watching these children. And they, uh. they run off and there's this empty house on the property. And they start setting it up for her. Aww. And they just like, they find her everything she needs. And they set her up and they say, well, you can stay here. And they come and visit her every day. And then um, one of them eventually says, well, when headmaster gets back, it might be. I don't know what he's going to think about this. So Colonel Howard comes back one day and um, she gives him not even time to really sit down. Like the second he gets back in his office, she shows up at his office and just walks in and says, Colonel Howard, I'm Granny Dollar. (laughs) (laughs) And she says, I'm an engine and we engines don't want to fool nobody. So I got some questions to ask you before I live here with y'all for the rest of my life. (laughs) And she asks him if she can keep her chickens. She asks if she's allowed to smoke because she knows the boys aren't allowed to smoke, but she keeps this pipe on her all the time and she loves it and she just wants to smoke. I'm sorry. Was she walking down the street with her chickens? Pro- yeah. The chickens probably followed her all the way down the chickens road. Chickens and her dog. And her dog. Oh my God. And she she wants to know if she can call Colonel Paul because he reminds her of her paw. And she wants to know if she can keep her dog Buster because even though he's mean to everybody else, she likes him in her life and she wants him there. And she uh, he she asks if he can please... Tell the lady at school not to ask her to pray because she conjures and those that conjure don't pray. But (laughs) she says engine conjures are just like white people praying. But that lady don't know this. (laughs) And then she says, also, I really love your rocking chair and I have never seen anything so grand and I would really like one. So can I take that with me back to my cottage? (laughs) And he cannot damn say no to a single thing she asks him to do because she's just that. A (laughs) hundred. And she's just so energetic and charming and he just nobody could ever say no to her. So she stayed at the master school. She stays in this little house and in this area until she dies. And um, all that time, and they believe she might have been 108 years old. Oh, my God. When she passed away. 
1965. I know, right? <laughs> and uh, so it would have been it would have been around 30, I think, mm-hmm. maybe 1930. And um, and everybody in town had grown to know her. And when she died, uh, people put up money for she had put up money. She had saved back money for her own tombstone. But somebody had come and stolen, had looted her house after she died mm-hmm. and taken her money. So that the town put together the twenty eight dollars for her tombstone. And they the town put together all the money for her um casket even they bought a casket for her and she had asked in advance these three local men to dance these three local white farmer men to dance a Cherokee funeral dance for her and she had taught them all the she had taught them how it sounded and she taught them what to do and they sounds like they look like chickens with their head cut off but these three men danced that dance with everything in them they said when she died in her house and um so the colonel and everybody else talked about her so much because she was just such a cool character and they um, they just couldn't help but write about her. So there are articles and things like that and the lo- little small local magazines and newspapers and things. And the Birmingham News did get one of them. I think Colonel Howard wrote an article about her in the Birmingham News. But just people couldn't help but tell stories about her. Oh, wow. And, you know, you don't. It sounds like you don't really hear him anymore, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it sounds like well, she was my mother talking knows. about. She sent me a message. She does yeah. know. She said, there was a small book written about her, and I think she wrote a book. The ones I saw had a soft cover, not from a big <laughs> publisher. Mm-hmm. I may have used to have one of the books, but I'm sure it's been given away or thrown away. That's a snap at me, by oh, the way. <laughs> that's really funny. I was like, Granny, there's no way she would have done that on her own. Granny was a big deal. I think she lived in Henniger on Lookout Mountain. Henniger Valley Head, Otter, it's all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not sure, though. DeKalb used to have an active historical society. After Ruth's husband died, someone my mom used to work more. It is no more. These books are probably in the DeKalb Library. I think Granny lived to be 100 or close to it. Mm-hmm. That's what my mom knows about her. Mm-hmm. When you said she lived that long and the... You know, I mean, because my mom, my mom's parents were born in the twenties, so mm-hmm. she would have, they would have known. So they sure. heard those stories, yeah, probably. And, then, and there, there are a couple of books, and all of the stuff that I got um, is from one of them. But for some reason, my Kindle Cloud reader isn't working right now, so I may not be able to tell you the author. But it is, oh, okay, it's called, it's by Neil Wooten. And it is just called Granny Dollar. And there's a picture. Uh, well, you guys can see, but the, y'all friends on the internet radio can't. I don't know if you can see in that one yeah, that it's a picture of her. It's a picture oh, yeah. of her with that nasty ass dog buster who um, actually after she died, um, they didn't know what to do with it. He was 20 years old oh my when she died. Oh my God. And he had no teeth. And he was mean as he had ever been. Mm. And he, like, when she died, and of course they, they cleaned out the house and closed it up and you could only just find him sitting there gnawing on the door jam with no teeth oh. because he wouldn't be put out of the house. Yeah. And uh, they ended up, they did have to euthanize him eventually, yeah. but they gave him a funeral service. Oh, wow. So, oh. <laughs> so it, I just, I don't know. I mean, I don't usually go for heartwarming stuff, but she just sounded like a piece of work. And I was like, shit, I wish I could be like well, that. I know. And I love the story about the boys just saying like, come here and yeah. live with mm-hmm. us. It's, it, the only schools I know of there, are, well, it's called Moon Lake. That's, oh. that's the school. And I don't know that it's... That sounds a, like a horror movie. <laughs> I know. Ruhema There's is, always a lake. Ruhema is another one that's near there, but I think it's more south. But Moon Lake was all... We, I think they only have like an elementary school now or middle. I don't think they have a high school. But I can imagine it being in that area, which is, again, near Mentone, mm-hmm. somewhere up there if she had left. 
well, valley heads in the valley. When you're standing on the mountain on the cliffs of Mentone, you look down, that's what you see is valley oh, head. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, just having gone to these places, and if y'all have gone in your areas to, like, one of the one of the taller bluffs, I mean, it's Appalachia, <clears throat> we all have some sort of mountain range around us. But, I mean, if you've ever driven up to one of those places and look out over the valleys around you, and then try and imagine, like, having walked there. Like, that's the type of thing that always just blows my mind. And when I talked about Chimney Rock, it was just the same idea. It's like, think about right. when there weren't these roads. Right. You know, I mean, think about, like, how much it took for a person to fucking walk down this road several miles from the house they got evicted from when they were 100 years old and not be just, like, lying down dead on the side of the road. <laughs> well, just out of why will. they were 100 years old, because <laughs> they were in such great shape. <laughs> So anyway, so that's my story about Granny Dollar, because I just thought that was a cool story. And that's all I got to say. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Thank you, guys. Bye, y'all. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. It's good, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And well, it's strong. It's mm-hmm. two ounces. Yeah, I'm a little mm-hmm. concerned about that. It's Once you said strong. that it was all like Irish cream, I was like, oh shit, this has more alcohol in it than I thought it did, and I just literally like yeah, pounded yours is almost it. Gone. Hers is gone. Luckily, that was the uh, that was the last of the cinnamon apple vodka. So you're gonna have to. Oh God, figure out the I can't rest for live yourself. without that. I could live without them apples, but Mm-mm. the vodka. You that may need to be the new thing you do for people for Christmas. I'm going to. I'm definitely doing the apple cinnamon for, mm-hmm. for this year because oh, it's it was amazing. so easy. <laughs> it's amazing. It's so good. I want it. I want it. All right. So, so, so mm-hmm. with this new format, Tell I'm story. going today and it's only me. How do you feel, Patrice? How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. What are you usually, <laughs> what are you usually thinking when she goes first? Oh, I love it. You I like mean, it when she goes first? But yeah. Sometimes you're like, oh no, I drink too much. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, she told just, me she didn't worry about I like I'd sometimes sit there and I'm worry. like I don't I worry did. I don't worry okay I knew somebody should had I told worry me. about everything I knew somebody had told me when they don't go first they're like Mm-mm. I enjoy it I'm like kind of breathing when I don't have to go first oh. I get to enjoy my drink I mean I'm and, it's and your zen it's living in the zen. moment I'm living like in it. the moment I yes. love that well now you can have an entire like oh, yeah. an entire episode of living in the moment I'm I digging it. it I'm gonna keep living in the moment <laughs> well I did have to uh, I did have to put this together as hey remind me for after talk that I could talk about the birthday cake thing too birthday can, cake if you want after talk by the cake. way oh, you can yeah. always join our Patreon and yeah. you can hear about said birthday cake and all the shenanigans <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and there's a discount at our store that's currently not up, but it will be. <laughs> yes. So take that out because I'm sure it'll be fine by the time. <laughs> Randy. Actually, regardless of whether our like official store is up or not, you've got some designs in the store that's linked from the site that yes. haven't been up before. And they're right. fun new designs that Patrice oh. has made that you would be missing out on if you didn't Cat check cult. it out. Cat Cult. Cat is Cult there? is up there. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Nobody yeah. told me. Well, it just, it. Like, just in the last couple. Of, Patrice is all like, I forgot I designed this thing. And I'm like, you know what? I do something cool and I talk about it like <laughs> for too. like weeks at a time, you know? And she's just like, oh, I just like, you know, toss this off in two seconds. And I just kind of didn't even remember I did it. And I'm like, Excuse fuck me. you. I'm going to need to get to that site. Mm-hmm. I need fuck that. Fuck you, talented people. 
So anyway. Thank you. That got a little aggressive, but I, <laughs> I meant it as a compliment. <laughs> so anyway. They're trying to poison me and be aggressive at me. Ah, <laughs> because we're you're not ruin, going this we're way. We're trying to ruin your zen time. I, I am good. Okay, well, positive energy. So I had to, I had to finish this while, like, I was sitting with family coming in for one of my children's uh, family birthday celebrations today with cake and everything, and so it might be a little slapdash, (laughs) but that's okay because that's the way we used to roll. Oh yeah, (laughs) I think it'll be brilliant.